Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ubi Est Mia, a show about Chicago by former Chicagoans. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode is with former Chicagoan, current New York City-based comedian, Lisa Traeger. Lisa's fantastic, and she recorded her first album for Comedy Central Records in Chicago, Illinois. She's fantastic, and I like her quite a bit. When was the last time you were back? The last time I was back in Chicago was the first week of May. And you did stuff that was fun. Oh, I did so much stuff. I did 13 shows, comedy shows, in the city. Um, I ate at all my favorite places that I missed. Which are? So I had Art of Pizza. And then I know it's a chain, but I had Taco Bell a lot. <laughs> Just because... The taco. Oh, this is this has come up on the show before. The Taco Bell on Elston is one yeah. of. Yeah. It's like the highest rated Taco Bell in the country. It is because we Marty lives closer to the one in Addison, but he would go. He would take my rental car and go to the one on Clybourne, um, <laughs> or Elston, or whatever, because it's the better one. And they're very nice. That's the thing. They're like nice and chatty, and they have like a very the company morale is very high at that Taco Bell. I went to Bat Seventeen in Evanston, which is one of my favorite places. The best sandwich. I get the dude. Okay. Like the big, uh, they named it after the dude from the Big Lebowski. Of and it's sirloin steak, Vermont white cheddar, coleslaw, mayo, fries on a sourdough hollow type bread. You live in New York City. Yeah. Arguably the best food city in the world. I But I feel like um, food is like TV is like movies. Nostalgia holds. Okay. You know, when you are raised on something, you kind of want it. And the, the sandwich is incredible. I love Bat 17. And I take my niece and nephews and then I took them to Keanu. Which was a huge mistake. What's Keanu? I don't know. It's Keanu. a rated R movie. Oh, the movie. Yeah. Okay. But I was like, oh, whatever. It's like Pineapple Express with a kitten. It'll be okay. No. They Not said okay. the N-word maybe 147 times. <laughs> there were stripper titties, like guns, murder, uh, drugs everywhere. I mean, it was a lot. My oldest nephew was covering the younger kid's eyes because it was so <laughs> insane. Where did you go? Which movie theater? Evanston. Okay. It's my favorite movie theater. Um, Were there any black people in the theater at Keanu? No, it was in the afternoon. Was there there anybody else in the theater? It's just like the Traegers. There was a few other people, but like I think they were all horrified that the children were there for sure. Because I want to be a cool aunt, but I think I made the wrong call there. But uh, we went to Maggiano's for my niece's birthday, and they all all the kids defended me. They're like that movie. We learned about friendship and working together and doing the right thing. Like they just were full on defending That's so me. Great. Yeah. How old are your uh, niece and nephew? 13, 11 and 8. Oh, I think they're right on the fence. Yeah. The 13 year old's fine. He's fine. 11's like uh, 8 probably not. No. <laughs> <laughs> do they know do, the, ha- the worst part was the previews. What was the pre? Oh, it's a radar like movie. Conjuring two, you know, <laughs> just like <laughs> horrific horror. And then one like a black movie about like cheating and stuff. So a lot of like, put a baby in me, you know, just like stuff like that. <laughs> you, where'd you grow up? Skokie. You were born in Skokie. No, I was born in Russia. We lived, and then we moved to Rogers Park, and then we like two years later moved to Skokie. So when did you move to Rogers Park? Um, nineteen ninety. Okay, and you were how old? Three. Oh, so you, do you remember anything from I Russia? I do because. Oh, not in Russia. I think in Rogers Park. I'm like, yeah, I went to fucking <laughs> Jew school. You um, you happen to be Jewish? Yeah. You say that with such disdain. Um, I got yeah, I don't know, but I did go to Jew school, and I remember Rogers Park. And I why does that sound like a slur? Oh, it's but, not a slur because if it's not a Jew saying it, it does sound like a slur. Okay. The, like, you don't want to say, but you, I mean, some people don't like saying the blacks, but like, that's what I call some, you know, I just don't care. I know. Yeah. It's, um, 
It annoys me when people do care, and that's it. How old are you now? 28. I, I should be able to do the math. I think I've known you since you were 21. Yeah, you have. That's weird. Because I remember... Because you booked me for my first show. Yeah. And it was before... It was in August, before my 22nd birthday. Wow. Um, That's what my roommate, Choxy and Marty, and all these guys that I started with, they're all like, it's. So, I still see you as a 22-year-old. I still see you as a very young person. Yeah, people don't take me seriously, I which t- I'm fine with. I take you as seriously as I took you at that age. Yeah. Which is not, like, not, not serious. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't want to be taken too seriously anyways. I think I remember your... I, I think I know more about your childhood than most because I've known you for so long. And because in your sets, I still have that visual image of your dad drying out fish in the driveway. Yeah. And like, is that a joke you even do? Is that like literally a six-year-old joke? It's an old, old joke, but I'm bringing a lot of family stuff back. So I'm, but I'm better at comedy. So it's like uh, growing, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a nice family chunk eventually. Good. Uh, but I don't have as much fun doing it as I do other stuff. It's like kind of a chore when I have to do my family jokes. Why? It's just harder to make them funny and relatable because I don't want the punchline to be like, my family is retarded because they're not. And uh, so what I'm trying to figure out is like the base of the jokes is how being raised by just foreign people in the country and then a young kid, you're both experiencing America at the same time Mm -hmm. with the same knowledge. So it was just hard growing up because like they don't get it. They don't know what a permission slip is like. They don't know what RSVP means. They don't understand what Halloween is. And I'm a kid, so I have no fucking idea either. That's interesting. So it was just a weird way to grow up. So it's, I, wa- I want to make sure I portray that it was just the surroundings, not like, aren't they nuts? You know? Yeah. That's an interesting nuanced view that not a lot of open micers could tackle at 22. Yeah. So I just, I don't want them to seem like idiots because they weren't. Like, they moved two children to a country and, like, made it work. Yeah. So. Are you proud of your parents? I am. I'm a little upset with some of their flaws. Which do you want to? They're like codependent. Like my mom won't do anything on her own. They don't. We're bad at communicating. That's why um, I think I take communication so seriously. Is like when we would fight, it would be a huge yell match, then silent treatment, and then we'd pretend nothing happened. So nothing ever gets solved. Sure. Because nothing gets talked about. It's very private. So like, I wish they were just more open. Even when we fought, we would like close the windows so no one hurt. Like. I don't really like, you know, secrecy and just like communication and just like not getting through things and being open. But that's so very the, Soviet. The obvious question is, is that what drew you to stand up? Because it's the exact opposite of that. It's literally opening your windows and screaming out your windows and it saying. Could be, but I've always talked a lot like in class. Yeah, but it could be that. I mean, your parents. But they the, didn't really rate. Like I was in the basement. A lot. I was outside on my own. I was by myself all the time. And they were great parents. Like they came to all my swim meets, basketball games, plays. They drove me places. They cared. Were you a nightmare in high school for your parents? Yeah, but grand scheme of things, not so bad. But yeah, I had Saturday detentions and like. Did you babysit a lot? Grades. Um, not till college. I know that you you have the most stereotypical like American late nineties teenager musical taste which is not yeah. a bad thing no i love it but it would not be like oh this woman happened to be born in russia and grew up a little bit in rogers park no, that's it's exactly like no, no 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 i i went to a mall 100 percent of the time and that's why my room looks like this yeah but it's also because i didn't have parents being like listen to this yes exactly you know so i just like really grasped onto popular culture okay so spice girls backstreet boys anything that was just thrown at me because I didn't have someone being like, listen to this Marvin Gaye or the Beatles. Like, I just didn't have that. Russian music. Like, I went to Russian concerts a lot. In Chicago? Yeah. They, they were all at high school. So I'd go to Russian concerts at, like, Mather High School. 
um, was a hot spot. The is it Ari Theater? Is it the Ari Crown? Ari Crown. Okay. And some other high schools. Would yeah. you meet other like Russian teenagers that were directed? Well, it was along? one I was like, once I hit like even ten, I was left home alone. Okay. I was home alone all the time. Just hanging out in Skokie. Yeah, make a slice pizza. I would get movies. I'd go to Blockbuster, and I would just like I loved being home alone. That's great. Yeah. Okay. And I still do. Okay, so you go to high school in Skokie. Yeah, Niles North. Where'd you go to college? So I first went to Iowa State, and then I dropped out. And then I went to Columbia College for a semester and dropped out. And then I went to North Park University. I'm Foster and Kedzie. Yeah. And that's where I graduated from. Did North Park University used to be Northeastern? No, Northeastern's there too. I should have just gone to Northeastern. (laughs) It was so much cheaper. I just didn't, I, for some reason, like all the idiots from my high school went there. So I didn't want to be like a failure, but I should have went. Okay. So what did you major in? Sociology. Eventually. Okay. It was like advertising, (laughs) then sociology, then music business, then physical education, then back to sociology. So when you were going to North Park, were you living at home? Yes. Okay. Do they still mail you things like as an alumni? Oh, they don't. Okay. So Julia Olson, our friend, she went there and she actually worked there and she did grow up in the Swedish Covenant. It's an evangelical school. So she kind of was on the in the in crowd, but she's a cool person. So she doesn't live that way anymore. And in the (laughs) alumni stuff, she she's very successful. She has a master's from NYU and she's now the um, academic counselor and internship person for grad art students at nyu like she's killing it lives in new york sure but she lives with her boyfriend and they took that out of the thing so they don't want to associate with me at all if they're upset that julia olsen like lives with her boyfriend out of so they would they would not like your album cover of you in a bra no they would not want anything to do with me (laughs) they yeah they don't send me anything yeah, because you're an alumni that could actually like, oh, this is a success story in a field where there's not a lot of success. Yeah, but I'm also a Jew, which they don't. And that's the big par- problem with North Park was all the advertising and all the billboards is like diversity. And then when you get there, it's not. And they force one worldview. So they tr- they trick city kids into coming there. And then it's weird. Their I, nursing program's great. I think you're the first person I met that went there. I believe that. And I'm from that city. Kelly Minto went there, too. <laughs> okay. So, like, a th- three people total. That's not a lot of people. Mm-mm. Okay. It's a small, small school. And it's a Christian college of America. Like, I had to take Christian ethics. I had to take intro to the Bible. Like, I thought it was going to be, like, Loyola or DePaul. Yeah. Well, I went to DePaul. Wasn't. And we had to take religion class. But I took, like, a study in the occult. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, they didn't care. Yeah. They're just yeah. like, well, we're cast those checks. We understand what's really important. No, I took a, a like an ethics class and all three of our papers were about gay marriage, a thing that I could care less about, you know, like <laughs> just like doesn't matter to me. Like get married, <laughs> don't get married. Like, but th- to them, it was awful. I got into fights all the time. You still get into fights all the time. Yeah. I'm, tr- <laughs> I'm working on a joke now that I have to stop acting like I'm a housewife. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen a therapist? No, I can't wait. I should and I want to. Do you have insurance? I do. I want to go. I really want to go. I've been wanting to go for years, and I tell everyone to go, mm-hmm. and I should go. But? But a part of me enjoys figuring, like, I, part of me enjoys coming home after a night of sets, getting high, and sitting, and, like, typing out all of my issues, and figuring them out, and then turning it into something. And it might be not, obviously, I'd rather have, like, an educated person be listening to me and give me outsider advice, but, like... I'm enjoying this time of my life of being very introspective and like I have so much time on my hands since I'm not working that it's like 
all I do is think about what's inside my head. And so I'm like enjoying that. So when people ask you what you do for a job, what do you say? Stand up. But you just said that when you're not working during the day. Well, cause st- but like stand ups at night. I understand that. But like, do you consider yourself right now unemployed? Or- no, I'm a stand up. Yeah. You're yeah, working a, job. a lot. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's just like, I have, I have a lot of free time. Like there's a lot of people that like for I think, most of my stand up career I had to work and then do stand up. Yes. And so a lot of time is wasted. And then a lot of people have writing jobs or TV shows or interview or whatever uh-huh. and then do stand up. So like for now I'm just doing stand up. So it's my job. I'm a I'm a comic, but I have a lot of time on my hands. How long did it take? You're 20 now. You started at 21. How long did it take to call yourself a stand up and say it without shame? Or like did you feel am- like you were lying? Oh, um, I mean, I've been without a day job for a year. So in the past year, but I always just said I was a backup nanny and a stand up. Like I always told people, I know a okay. lot of people when people ask what they do, they lie and be like, I'm a whatever. Cause they don't want to talk about it. But so you're okay to talk about this stuff when you meet strangers, yeah, you're like, yeah, I'm a stand up. Yeah. What do you say to the people? I think it's cool. You I'm know, not disagreeing. Oh, I know. I'm just saying like a lot of people like to cars or like. Airport people, they lie. And sometimes I'll lie, I guess, if it's, like, really early in the morning. But, like... Yeah, what's your lie if it's really early in the morning at the airport? I'm not a good liar, so I don't know. I'll probably just say I'm a nanny. Okay. So you were a nanny when I met you? No, no, no. You were still a preschool. You were teaching preschool... OPE. Yeah. Yeah. That's when I met you. Yeah. Um, at a Jew school. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. So you're teaching at the Jew school in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Are you glad you started doing stand-up in Chicago, or do you wish... Oh, yeah. Why? Of course. Not of course. Of course. It doesn't work out for everybody. I think everyone that started in Chicago is happy about it. I'm really thrilled because in New York, it's so vast. So if you're at Mike's or you're whatever, like everyone has places to go, things to do. Everyone's struggling just a little bit harder. And so you don't really meet people, and no one's really hanging out in Chicago there was a few mics tonight, but there was like one mic or one show that everyone was at and you had to sign up at six. You got up at 11. And so you're basically at one bar for seven, eight hours hanging out with people. So like the friendships you develop and the fun times you have is, was very important to me. And in New York, it's like the mics are an hour and a half in a bucket, two minutes, hurry up. We got to go to the next one. And literally two minutes, two minutes, sometimes three, but like, it's not like, Oh, let's sign up and hang out. Like, that's just not no one has time for that do you think that's a symptom of age or do you think that's just location location okay 100 percent location okay because you're still a very young person yeah no it's all location okay and because there's shows at night and bars don't want the mics at night so like they're all very early or you have to pay for them it's just like chicago was a smaller community where everyone hung out and you knew everyone and then also the people the coolest people or the most elderly all came to the mic so the guys who ran the coolest shows were also at the mic. So you went every day and you got better and better. And then the people that booked shows are there. So then they'll book you here. This le- it's so split. And I'm kind of lucky enough to where I moved and was able to like, I already knew all the people that are making my- like all the club scene people. And in New York, in New York, um, I know all the quote unquote cool guy. I don't know how to say it. Like the working comics, full time comics. Uh, Actually, I would not call them the cool guys. I would call them the working comics because yeah, they're not. You're not talking about the UCB cool. People. No, you're I'm talking about just you, like at the cellar or the fact that you say it. The cellar should yeah. give a people a sense of what you're talking about. 
Yeah, just on the road, like professional comics. Yes. So I knew a lot of them. And then I also know a lot of the younger comics because that's who I feel I am when I moved there or whatever. Yes. And those are my friends. And a lot of my friends in Chicago are still doing the mics and the bar show. So I know all these people. But when I bring up someone that I think is really funny to one of the older guys or like the professional, they don't, they have no idea who I'm talking about. Got it. Because you never see each other. Because the people that are doing five club spots a night, four, three, whatever, bar shows that are like, packed they're not going to these open mics it's just a little bit more split and this is from my time in new york now it could have been different five six years ago well, you can only speak of your experience yeah so. so it's this thing of like it seems like you're just doing these mics and shows in basements and nobody knows or cares and you can't get auditions you can't like there's just so many people that it just takes a little bit longer and i feel it doesn't give you as much opportunity to fuck around and find your voice because you only have two minutes, three minutes. And like I was headlining shows doing 20 minute sets three, four years in. That doesn't seem crazy to me. That seems like how it should be. Yeah. But that's like a gift. Is it? Yeah. Because I got to move to New York with like An hour. I can headline shows. Yeah. Okay. Like, so that's like a certain confidence. Yeah. You you ran a room in Chicago for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have a show. You have a room now in New yeah. York, but it's, it's a, a little different. It was like gifted. Yes, and so so you're currently at the Cake Shop. Yeah, which is a very very hip. I love it. Venue yeah. in the Lower East Side. Yeah, in the Lower East Side, and it's usually music. Yeah, so we got just Tuesday nights as comedy. Okay, and the people that are on. Uh, that also do this show with you. They're the people that you see on that Netflix series. Yeah. What's that called? Well, so Kate Berlant lives in LA now. Okay. Mostly, but uh, yeah, it's just called the characters. Kate Berlant is amazing. And, and then, then John Early's on so it. She gave it to John Early and John Early is a fucking superstar. And what movie is he in right now? Um, He's a neighbors too. That's he's it. in a TBS show called search party. He was so, in Wet Hot American Summer. Very, very, like, hip. He's doing great. Yeah, he's so funny. Which is, to me, the exact opposite of, like, the comedy seller. Yeah, it's like a different vibe, of course. Like, I, uh, John Early does a show called Literally Me at the mm-hmm. Bell House, and I open for him, and he is magic. Yeah. He's singing. There's a band. There, he's doing a half hour of stand-up. It's so funny. It's like, he's one of the funniest people ever. But yeah, it's... But the guy's... more performance. It's... But where you make your money... Yeah. ...is not that. It's, here's a brick wall. Here's a microphone. You've seen this on Louie. Here you go. Yeah. Okay. Is that weird? Do you approach those two things differently or like, whatever, I'm going to do my own thing? I always just do stand-up. Okay. And that's it. You know, Because when I opened for John, I still did my same set. Yeah. There was just like sometimes if like, I I wouldn't change for everyone. And if I get that, like I'll do a joke that the audience might not like. But sometimes like yesterday at the synagogue, it's like, yeah, I'm not going to do my N-word bit here. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like, it's funny. I love it. I could do it every other night of the week. Like, I don't have to do it here. You have a deep catalog at this point. You can Yeah. So it's like sometimes when I'm opening up for someone or it's like a certain show, like I don't have anything to prove to anyone. And I can like, I'd rather them have a great time, you know? Sure. Sure. When did you decide it was time to leave Chicago? Um, I didn't. I thought I would stay there a long time. I, what I'm really proud of myself for, and it might be a hindrance, and I had a problem with it this year where I had to like re-center myself, was like I've always just let things happen as they happen. I've never planned on it. I didn't even know stand-up was a thing when I started. I started on accident. and well, How did you start? I, I started to – Superbad, the movie came out. 
And I was really inspired by it. I got the script and I was like, I want to, I want to do something like this. So I started taking writing and improv classes at Second City and someone, a mutual friend was like, Hey, this guy that we went to high school with actually does open mics. You should go watch him. And so I went to watch him at an open mic, Caffeine in Evanston. And there was someone else that went on stage and I remember watching him going, Oh, if he could do this, I could totally do it. And I just went up and I did terrible, but I like, I liked it. And so I was like, okay, I'll be back next week. And I spent the week writing jokes. And then I came back and like did great. And everyone's like, did you just write those this week? And I'm like, yeah, this is so fun. So then I did a week of music mics. And then I finally found Shuba's. And then I met Marty. I saw Sheehan for the first time, Junior Stopka, Drew Mike. I saw everyone, met Fritz, Prescott. And then I met everyone and everyone told me about the comedy mics and I started going. But like, I never realized it was a thing. And when I started a show, like, I've never had ulterior motives or, like, a weird path. Like, I never knew anything. And that's great, and that's a lovely idea, but at this point, that's not 100% true, because you have to have some it's semblance. It's not 100% true, but what happened after the ha- But I've always, so with New York, yes, I knew I was going to come, but I was like, I like it here. I want to develop more. I'm going to stay here. And then I had an amazing trip in, like, uh, I don't know, like, two years ago, two and a half, three years ago. I had an amazing trip to New York and I told Megan and Gailey and I was like it was so fun you're gonna love it so then she moved she went in December and had a good time and she's like she loved it too and then she's like we can live with the boys so it's like the Chicago boys Clark Kenny and Will had an apartment she's like we'll stay there in their basement for a month it's fucked up but like she's like I think we just need to get out and I was like okay let's do it and then we did and their apartment got flooded we couldn't stay there we had to get a new apartment immediately it was the first time we started fighting we lived in like Oh, you know, you saw our place. In Hell's Kitchen, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We shared a bed, but, like, it wasn't planned. It wasn't, like, now it's time to go. And then it worked out beautifully. I got Montreal just as I moved, and that got me a little bit more exposure to get a lot of shows in New York. So it worked out beautifully, but I've never, like, oh, you're auditioning for comics to watch, and then I got it. But, like, I never knew that was a thing. Like, everything always just kind of came my way. And once the half hour came out and my album I like switched my brain to be like, got to do a new hour, got to hurry up. So I just started being like very intense and just like writing things out and making sure not to do old stuff and pushing myself and like this and that. And fuck, I didn't do this on this show. And like, then it hit me. I'm like, I've never done this and it's always worked out well. I don't, no one's waiting for my hour. Nobody cares. I've not like, just enjoy stand up like you always have. And so that's what I've just been doing. Yes, but... You, this is now your career. Yeah, so, like, I'm working on stuff. Like, I have this show that I'm working on. And, like, you know, Sabrina and I were ready to pitch a show. We completely finished it. And then she got this writing job, and it's pushed to February. And it's like, okay, well, I'm glad I didn't put everything into that because now I have to wait anyways. It's just, like, I'm not no, – everything's always happened timely and for a reason and when it needs to. And it's always better to do things too late than too early. And right now I'm just, like, not scared. I feel really confident and comfortable with my material and where I'm going. Have you always been confident in the material? Yeah. Have you always been confident in yourself? With this, yeah. I just, like... You're a very confident person. I just knew this was, like, what I was going to do. Yeah, but you stand out in that aspect. Yeah. You don't seem to be worried about anything. No. That's rare. Just I just need to get skinny. That's it. <laughs> I feel as soon as I get skinny... I mean, I think the reason I'm not is because I would be a fucking monster. If you were skinny? Yeah, if I was also, like, looking amazing, I would just be, like, a, a nightmare. What would you around. do? What would be different? 
I just don't think I would have learned the lessons of rejection as well as I have, you know, to like not care. You know what I mean? Sure, sure, sure. You could drink the water. It's okay. I think that's what happened. But I've always just been like confident. And if things and the moments and the comedy and the things that like haven't gone well or were disasters or were embarrassed, I've always learned from it and it's made me better. And what was your worst show? I got um, some men tried to murder me. No, though I recently wait wait. They just threatened these Polish people threatened to kill me. It was like so annoying in Chicago, Glenview. In Glenview, where's Glenview? Why do I know? Laughing chameleon. I don't know the Glennon. It's in the Glen Mall. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what happened? I think I know the story, but I like it. The first show was awesome, and then the second show was six uh, people. Three couples were there, and one of the couples were just the like Polish pieces of trash, just like on coke, drinking, wanting to smoke, like yelling, drink order, and no one policed the room. When you ask like why the cellar is so good, it's because you if they so much as see you check the time on your phone, you're kicked out. You know what I mean? Like you cannot be too drunk they have a drink maximum like they make sure you have an audience that is deserving of what you're doing so if you yell out like there's no warnings it's like you're out of here bye and that's it okay so the the chameleon so the laughing chameleon the laughing we chameleon. think it's a drug front i don't i doubt it's around anymore but it was me aaron foster and this girl crystal and this couple was just heckling i went aaron Fo- they were like next get out of it whatever so then i go up i'm like the headliner and I'm like, I can make this work. So I try everything. I try doing crowd work with them. I try doing crowd work with the other guy. I tried just doing my jokes. I just tried, like, everything that I had at the time in my brain to, like, make the room happen. At this point, I would have just been like, you two need to leave right now or I'm not. This isn't happening. But, like, the other two couples could have had a fun show. And then they just were heckling me. They started calling me a cheap Jew lesbian. And they're like, you're a cheap Jew, you lesbian, yada, yada. And then finally, I just like lost it. And we got into a full on like fight. I was like, I wish more of your family died in the war. You pieces <laughs> of shit. You don't even know how to speak English. Why are you here? You try like I made fun of his gut. Like I was just like just d- being vicious. And then finally he got up, took six hundred dollars out of his wallet and said, I would pay anyone to get up on stage for you to leave. And Aaron Foster went, grabbed the money and got on stage like a minstrel show. And I left and had the bartender walk me to my car. What happened in that $600? I think he gave me 40 bucks. Of 600 Maybe 60 I mean, I don't think he gave me more than 100 but he gave me some money. He should give you at least half. Um, yeah, I mean, he's... That's a duo. Not That's... my favorite person. <laughs> are you... You're not willing... Or no, you are very willing to burn bridges. Yes. Cool. I think so, yeah. Mateo does a funny impression of me, like, ripping out a grenade and throwing it back. <laughs> who, who is someone that in Chicago that you burned a bridge and you wish you hadn't? Or is there anyone? No, because I, I like, like I said, like, me and my friend Julio, like, we didn't speak for a few years. And then I apologize. We apologize. We, fi- we figured. We grew. That's the thing with, like, comedy. It's like, you want to do this for life. So you're going to grow as people and you're going to know things and we're young and we're figuring stuff out. And it's my first time living with people, like everything is an experience. And so like, yeah, you're going to do shitty things and you have to, it's okay. Can you see yourself? But there's some people I wouldn't forgive. And there's some people that probably won't forgive me. And that's fine too. And you want to talk about any of that or no? And get real dark. I mean, there's definite people that I don't respect. And a lot of that comes from like comedy that like, I just don't respect Sure. Because at least, like, for me, no matter what, anyway, like, oh, she's a cunt, she's mean, she says this, that's fine. The people I don't like are the 
oh, they're so nice. And it's like, no, they're not. They're conniving. And I know what they've done. And I know the shit they pull. And I know the behind the scenes. And you can fake everyone you want. And that's the thing. I I dislike a lot of people that a lot of people like. And it's like, I see through your phoniness. I don't like phoniness at all. I can sense that you're fake. I like I've there's one girl that like I know she doesn't like me. But she puts on this front and I finally confronted her and was like, hey, you've been acting weird. You like say hi to me. Some of you don't say hi to me other times. I don't understand it. Are we friends? Are we not like what do you want from this? Because you don't get to get my friendship because it's a good friendship to have (laughs) if you're not putting it in, too. So like what's the deal? And the response was like, I love you. You're one of my favorite people. I get so happy. I love blah, blah, blah. And it's like. Oh, you just have no friends. That's fine. You don't know what friendship is because this isn't how you like if you're telling me that you love me and I'm your favorite person to my face, you're saying this and then you ignore me for anyone famous that walks in or you talk shit. Three separate people have told me you talk shit about me and you're disruptive and you're conniving and you're shady and I've caught you lying to me a couple times like I'm not your favorite person. I'd rather you just be like. I don't really like you. I'm kind of competitive and I don't respect your comedy, you know, or anything. But like, I'd rather someone just shut me out than play those games. I love that you're like this because so uh, people used to be like this. That's the woman. Yeah. Is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm definitely keeping that in the podcast. You oh, you're so rare these days and I don't think you used to be as rare. I think there were more people like you 20, 30, 40 years ago that do this. But. Maybe, and the thing is, it's like weird when people think I'm like special in some way, even like my manager, she's always like, you know, it's so refreshing to work with you. And I'm like, that's so weird. Like, I don't see it as a special trait, but yeah, it is. People are weird. I think I'd be a lot more like you if I didn't have my wife and I didn't move from Chicago. Because I think I used to talk a lot like you yeah. when it comes to this stuff. But now I'm just like, oh, I don't care. I'm going to walk away. It's, it's not even worth dealing yeah, with. Yeah. I mean, there's people who have kids. Yes. And then realize like none of it matters. Oh, none of it matters. And that's another thing. I just maybe don't have. I have to. Re- well, one of the best advice I got in terms of comedy was from my friend Julia. And she goes, some of these people are just your coworkers. Oh, yeah. And it's OK to be fit. She's like, no one's going to think you're fake if you're just nice to someone. Yeah. And that's 100%. helped me a lot to be like, oh, OK. I think I learned a lot of that just bartending. Like, that's how I met you. You were just a person. I didn't know you was a comic. Yeah. Um, a few more questions. Uh, does every stand-up have a little chunk about serial killers in their first, like, six months? <laughs> Maybe. Because yeah. I think you did. I did, yeah. I, I brought a little part of it back. Did you really? Yeah. Why? In another joke. Um, well, it's more about dating, um, which I liked. The serial... I don't know why. I've... Because Marty, too, reads a lot about serial killers. A lot of comics know. do. Yeah, I don't know. All right. I, I was just wondering. I have no idea, but it's creepy for sure. Uh, to... I think, yeah. Because when you start, you don't know what to talk about. You're just trying. You're like, oh, that's shocking. Yeah, maybe. I guess. Um, your parents, because English isn't their first language, can't entirely enjoy what you do. Um, how Does that get to you? Does that bother you? Do you care? I would rather them not hear any of the filth that comes out of my mouth. Um, I heard my sister said that my mom's been fa- like looking at my Twitter, which is scary. No, I don't like any of them to be there because I want to impress them so much that it actually makes me not have a good set. And I, after this last visit, I told my sister she can't come see me anymore also because I just like want to make sure they hear my new stuff and that it's good and everything's working and I'm not in the moment. And so like I can't really have them there. 
And so in the future, if they do want to see me, they're going to have to like get their own tickets and surprise me and sit in the back because knowing that they're there fucks with me. And I, because you they care. were there at the album recording and it really fucked up my first recording. I like your album. It's fine. It's just, it's not as good as it could have been, but it's fine. Like I learned from it. I like that you didn't even realize you had not listened to your album before it came out. And I was the one who was like, I can't believe that they kept in the plug for the bar across the street. And you're like, they did? I'm like, yeah, that's how your album closed. Like, we're all going to go across the street to Old Town Ale House. <laughs> no, I no, I, I just, I hate listening to anything. It's like rough. Because I remember I watched my half, like, for my half hour, we had a party and we all watched it. But I usually get blacked out, so I don't remember it. And now I kind of want to watch it. But it's like, I don't want my roommates catching me watch my half hour. <laughs> and Your so. roommates are also on TV. Or yeah. have been on TV. Yeah. So they get it. Yeah. You're all doing this to satisfy that itch. And to pretend it isn't there seems a little silly. Yeah. I don't know. I do want to also mention with, like, my personality, I think I've become more confident in all of this, too, because I've gotten to work with a lot of, like, veterans mm-hmm. and a lot of older guys. And the advice they give me and, like, women, like Judy Gold and stuff, like, the advice is always, like, you want to do this for 30 years. So all of these moments don't matter. And like, they matter so much now because we care so much, but like even the people you're competitive with, it's like, get your blinders on, like people pop and then are never seen from again. There's lulls. There are people that were in arenas that are now at back at clubs. Like you can't let any of it really get to you or have all of that outside stuff be the thing that makes you happy. And it really has to be the work or you're going to go crazy. So you still want to be doing this at 38, 48, 58, 68. Yeah. Yeah, I really don't. I mean, it might change. I might be doing different things, but Mm -hmm. like, I can't imagine not doing stand up. And because of that, like, these minor moments are like not getting something. I'm also not as desperate because I have had some success. So, of course, for other people, it might be different. But like, I'm at this point. What the fuck? Okay, so for the listener at home, um, you've gotten (sighs) at least two texts and at least three phone calls? Yeah, from a psychopath. We're not going to say the name. She's a psychopath. But you're on the same show tonight, so good luck with that. This is kind of indicative of all every single art scene. There's always like crazy people on the fringe that get sucked into your orbit if you let it happen. Yeah. And and when I say let it happen, I'm not trying to like victim blame you here, but... (laughs) This is what I'm saying. Like, literally walk away. Do not engage. Oh, I'm, like, so proud of myself that I didn't get in that car with her. But the fact that she has your number says something. It's like, she shouldn't have your number. Correct. That's not good. Correct. Um, Horace and Pete. Yeah. Well, that's where I met a lot of the older guys. Exactly. When you see them and then, like, the things that you think matter now don't matter. Like, if you get a festival or a late night, like, before or after, it's like... Bill Burr, I think, got passed over like five times for a half hour before he got his. But now it's like legendary and you watch it and it's fucking incredible. Or just like when you watch Louis's career or Chris Rock, like Louis has a story about Chris Rock, about how like after he got fired from SNL, no one heard from him. And then like he came back years later with this fucking hour because he just went on the road and worked. And it's this thing of like you can't let the industry or outside things or people or anyone affect it. And I think that's what has made me just be chill out and be more grateful and happy and like not as stressed for the next thing is because I'm like with all these older guys who've been at in the worst positions, you know, just like a lot of like a lot of terrible things. And yeah. Are you worried about substance abuse considering the worst things in comedy? No, we're all nerds. And that's what's happened with wrestling too. Like all these people started dying. So our generation are kind of a bunch of nerds. Yeah. Uh, final question, uh, one place to eat in Chicago. You've, you're there for a meal. It doesn't matter what meal you get to pick, 
but you have like a quick layover. You get to leave the airport. Like you have to go from Midway to O'Hare or vice versa. Okay. So you can go anywhere as long as you want. What do you go? I mean, I have something that I also from earlier. One of the other places I went to eat that I miss a lot is Pita Inn and Over Easy. I don't think you're you're like the only person I've ever been like I love Pita Inn. Everyone loves Pita Inn. Do they? Yes, I like Pita Inn just fine, but it's not like something that I'd go home for. Oh, it's also I'd go to Sultan's before Pita Inn. Now Pita Inn's better than Sultan's. Mm, All right. (laughs) Um, Over Easy. No, Sultan's is BYOB. Did you know that? I didn't. Yeah, and there's a liquor store across the street, so. I'm going to fucking Sultan's. That's true. And Pete Inns and Skokie. The only thing, I didn't go to Flubba Dub Chubbs, which I usually try to have a hot dog. Where's that? It's by Laugh Factory. It's on Broadway. Oh, okay. Did you ever, I like the one. I, I used love to, Giordano's, but I don't you know. Have you ever go to Ducks on uh, Ashland? Near like Ashland and Grand Ashland in Chicago? No. That place is pretty good. For hot dogs? Yeah. Okay, cool. For your question about the layover one yes. meal, I want to say Cheval for the cheeseburger. Where's that? It's um in the West Loop on Randolph Street, but I've only been there once, so I feel yeah. weird saying it. Yeah. Oh, I love Glenn's Diner. Okay, hold on. Um, <laughs> you're, you land... I think Portillo's. I'm going to really? say Portillo's. The one in like River North or whatever? Yeah, if you're going... If you're like... Because the there's some in the suburbs if you're in O'Hare. Of course. And I think there's Midway. only like two in the city. Yeah, so I would have to say Portillo's because you can get an Italian beef, a hot sure. dog, cheese fries are great, yeah. and you can get a bunch of different things. Yep. And it's cheap. It's, eh, compared, it's not expensive. Yeah, exactly. I'll give you that. Um, yeah, I'm going to say Portillo's. I mean, I'm embarrassed. Like, I wish I'd come up with something better. No, you came up with a bunch of great ones. All right. I'm trying to think of what I would do, but this is about you. Um, you're great. You're- I also love that one place by Natalie's old house, uh, Cafe Con Leche. <laughs> I like which I like in Humble Park. Yeah, I'm trying to like no Logan Square Cafe Con Leche was so good. And Logan? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was there a few weeks ago. Steak sandwich is so good. They're all right. The bistec, I love it. They're all right. Am I just always hungover? (laughs) You know what I realized? I watched um, Pulp Fiction sober, and there was like six scenes I have no recollection of. (laughs) Which means I've only been watching Pulp Fiction <laughs> fucked up. How many times have you seen it? Dozens. <laughs> but there were like full scenes I had no, I've never seen before. <laughs> Which is crazy. Oh, I'm glad your parents' first language is in English. I know. <laughs> but they're partiers and they're whores. They've been married a bunch. They have kids out of wedlock. Like they're nuts. My parents are nuts. I'm going to end the show right there. Okay. (laughs) If you would like more information about Lisa, follow her on Twitter. She has one of the best Twitter handles of all time. It's Glitter Cheese. Uh, So it's at sign Glitter Cheese. It's Lisa Traeger, L-I-Z-A-T-R-E-Y-G-E-R. You already knew that because you're listening to this, and it's a podcast. I'm in the podcast description. If you would like more information about this show, find us on Facebook or Ubi Estmia, and we're also on Twitter Ubi Estmia Pod. My name is Brandon Weatherby, and I do another show called You Me Them Everybody. That's available at youmeetthemeverybody.com. Our art is by Dmitry Samarov, and our music is by Daniel Knox. Thanks for listening, and have a wonderful night. I'll hunt the places that you've been sleeping.